Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. The book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. We are concluding today a special series of the five types of fools. And that as we've been examining this, this has been a very helpful series and a lot of people have come and given me feedback and talking about how it's been a help and how it's been an encouragement because we have to understand how to deal with people and how to work with people. We understand that these are also a little bit deeper messages, a little bit of heavier messages, but they're also necessary and none more necessary than the last type of fool that we're going to be discussing tonight. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs and chapter number one. The book of Proverbs chapter number one and verse seven, the Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you wouldn't mind, let's take some time to talk to the Lord now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, I'm just asking that you would be a help, that you would be an encouragement, that you would just take the time to visit us today. That we can know that we've been in your house, that we can know that you've been in the presence of the Lord. I'm asking that this message here would pay eternal dividends, not just letting us be wise about those around us, but you would use this message in a special way to protect this church from fools and those who would like to come in and to kill, maim, destroy. Give me much wisdom. I know I have no ability of myself. So the best I know how I surrender myself. I surrender my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my desires. I ask that you be with my tongue, my lips, the words, my thoughts, everything. And the best I know how I beg again that you fill me with your precious spirit. And that you get your own work accomplished tonight using your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as a review, as we've talked about before, that in the Hebrew language there are five different words that are translated into our English word, fool. And so each of these different five words have a different meaning and we see a spiritual digression. The first one we talked about was the simple fool. The simple fool is the naive person who doesn't have discernment. They're very easily fooled. They're very easily convinced. All you have to say is I double dog dare you with cherry on top. You know, they they could very easily be brought into something and they don't realize the trouble they'll get into by doing such a thing. They're just missing out on discernment and they're not bad people. They're not evil people. They're just simple and they don't see the consequences of their action. And we explain that how they became fools is that they did not receive consistent discipline starting from the home. And without consistent discipline in the home, things will continue to get worse. And we explain that. That a simple fool isn't trying to get in trouble, he just finds himself in trouble. Well, if that continues without discipline, he'll progress to the next type of fool, which is what is called a silly fool. A silly fool. This is a type of fool who got used to getting into situations where he was supposed to get in trouble, but he never had consistent discipline, and now pride has entered in. This is a type of fool that knows it all. Now, he's not a bad person, or she is not a bad person, uh, not really trying to get into trouble. They just know it all. They, they have life experience. And they're known for their mouths because they keep talking how they know about this. And I know, I know, I know. Well, let me show you how to do this. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. And they know everything. (laughs) And all it is is pride got involved. And they get frustrated and angry when their way doesn't work. But if consistent discipline is not applied here, they're going to progress and break people's heart into the next type of fool, which is the sensual fool. And this is the first type of fool that gets in trouble on purpose. That what has happened is that they have entered into sin. 
It doesn't matter what type of sin, but they've entered sin and sin has changed them. And now they're looking for trouble. They're, they're, they get a high for breaking the rules and getting away with it. Now they still feel guilt and so this is, they can still be helped. But they're very much living for the now. They're living for what pleases them. And they don't care about the consequences they're, as long as they're happy right now. And again, they need correction. They need immediate correction. They need severe correction and consistent correction. By the way, we've already explained that the correction is a very loving thing. We're trying to correct their path. We're trying to show them what's right. We're trying to keep them from breaking someone's heart. We're trying to keep them away from danger. And then we explained last week the next type of fool, which is the scorning fool. And it's translated in the Bible as a scorner, as a scorner. And they're known because of their face that they have a hatred, a disrespect to all authority. And this, a lot of people are, are in this foolish territory here where whether it's a police officer, they just say all kinds of bad things about police officers against the government, all the pastor person over there, whether it's teachers or parents, they're known for their disrespect. And this is a type of fool that is trying to bring the rest of the fools to follow him. And he's the one who's enticing the silly fool. He's enticing the simple fool to get in trouble, to follow after him. He's looking for little minions to help get in trouble with him. And whereas he might not get in trouble, all the other guys are getting in trouble. And that this is a man who you may not be able to help, but if you punish him, it will make the others beware that there's consequences. And that with this type of scorner, we explain that there are times that you have to remove a youth from a youth group, remove a choir member from a choir, because that scorning a spirit will affect what it's at and it will hurt a church. It will help hurt something. And we have to think of others in that situation that we may not be able to help the scorner. We need to help those who we can help. Now, if the scorner is not corrected, if they are not disciplined, if they are not stopped, if, they're not, if there's no intervention, then they'll go to the last one, which is called the steadfast fool. The steadfast fool. And this is the fool that we're going to be talking about tonight. The steadfast fool. Now once again defining our terms. A fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. That's just the simple definition of a fool. Is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. And we've already explained in the verse where we started. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. That a fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. And that distinguishing these fools will help but let us know when to counsel and the type of counseling that they should receive. So as we go on, we're trying to still review that we know that there are different degrees of fools and that each one of them go through a step of degression or progression. They get worse and worse and worse and that our purpose is that we want to stop them before they go too far. By the way, this last fool that we're talking about, they've gone too far. This is the end of the road. This is the steadfast fool. Let's define what the steadfast fool is. The steadfast fool is defined as Nabal. This is someone who is stupid or wicked. That, that's what the uh, definition is. Nabal, this type of fool, this steadfast fool, they're defined, the, the Hebrew word literally means to be stupid or wicked. And this relates to one that is morally wicked and despises holiness and it is a disgrace to his family and all those that try to help him. And we're going to go through this a little bit more in detail. But this is that type of fool, what it relates to. It's someone who is morally wicked and he despises holiness. He's against holy living. He's against the standards. He's against what the Bible says. And because of that, he's a disgrace to his family and all those that try to help him. The Bible talks about this type of fool in the book of Proverbs chapter 17 in verse 21. Proverbs 17, 21, the Bible says, He that begotteth a fool doeth it to his own sorrow. And the father of a fool hath no joy. This is the Bible speaking about the Nabal fool, the steadfast fool, that he that begotteth, so the parents who have this type of fool 
They do it to their own sorrow. This is someone who's broken their heart. Not is going to break their heart, has broken their heart. And because of that, there is sorrow. A father who has this type of son, has this type of daughter, that he has no joy. He is constantly brokenhearted because he can see where this fool has landed. And this type of fool just doesn't affect himself or herself. It affects a whole slew of others around them. Now, the steadfast fool is someone who's self-confident, close-minded, completely committed to their own God and to their own gratification and has dedicated their life to drawing as many others as they can to their evil ways. These are people who know that their ways are evil, but they want to draw people there anyways. These are the type of people, they're very self-confident, Again, this pride is entered in. They know it all. They've taken the other progressions of a fool. They know it all. They're skillful in argument, uh, debate, arguing. They're very skilled. They have an answer for everything. And they're very committed to their cause, their God, their own satisfaction. For example, we know all know environmentalist tree huggers who, you know, there's nothing wrong with being good stewards of nature but they draw it too far and they're committed to it. We all know that this month is a gay, hopefully not everyone knows this, but it's Gay Pride Month or something like that. We know that there's many people there who are purposely seeking to draw people to their ways, knowing that it's against nature, knowing it's against the Bible, and they're purposely drawing them to themselves and trying to get others to follow that way and they are committed to that cause. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 14. Now, this is the type of fool. The rest of them we had really stayed in Proverbs, but this type of fool spans the Bible. We see this fool mentioned in uh, Psalm 14.1. The fool hath said in his, own, in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There are none that doeth good. So this is a type of fool who's pretty much rejected all of God's authority. Now, believe it or not, you find these people in church, and we're going to talk about this here in a bit. You you say, why in the world are they in church? Because they're looking to draw people to follow themselves. And a church is a good place to do it because you have good people in church who want to be a blessing, and and a lot of times churches are not taught doctrine And they could very easily bring people aside and twist people's thinking to follow after them. So this is that type of fool. Now, this is the most dangerous of all the fools. They are the most dangerous because they lead people away. And as I said, they're in churches, they're in Bible college, they're in families, they're in school, they're everywhere. And they're there trying to seek to get people to follow after them. They're trying to convince people to follow uh, to turn to evil, to try to find the wicked ways to go with them. And these are the people that we have to be on a lookout for because they are actively recruiting. They are actively trying to seek to get people to turn from God and to follow their ways. This is a type of fool that is defined and described in the book of Jude. If you don't mind, let's look in the book of Jude and let's look at verse number four. The book of Jude... If you're looking, it's in the last part of your Bible. Normally, I don't go this fast, but since I have the slides, but I'll take my time because I want you to see this in the book of Jude. The book of Jude is the next to last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The book before that is the book of Jude. The book of Jude in verse number four. The book of Jude in verse number four, this is what the Bible says about these, these fools. For there are certain men crept in unawares. So here you got creepers who come in and they're ready to blow things up. They're ready to explode uh, things. Here it says, for there are certain men who crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. That's a big word. I'm going to define that in a second. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here. There are certain men who have crept in unawares. 
You know what they're creeping in? They're creeping in into churches. They're creeping into where we are and they're going unawares. People are not realizing they are fools and they're trying to destroy. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about people who are inside of churches. So not only are they men, but they could be women as well. And what is lasciviousness? Lasciviousness is a license to sin. What they did is they take the grace of God. Remember, we are given God's grace. Salvation is free. We don't have to do anything to pay for it. We don't have to do anything to get it. But what they do is they turn grace into a license to sin. Hey, God said he saved you and he forgave you of everything. So why can't you drink? Why can't you watch this? Why can't you do this? God's not going to send you to see what they're trying to do is turn the freedoms that God has given to us and they're trying to twist it to get people to sin. And by the way, there's a lot of people within churches trying to do that. And we have to be aware of these. The Bible continues on in the book of Jude in verse number 12. Now, a lot of the book of Jude speaks about this, but we're just highlighting a couple of places. In Jude, verse 12, it says this. These are spots in your feast of charity. And when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water. Carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withered, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Notice the description that God gives of these fools. That these are people who are like clouds without water. What does that mean? That they have form but no substance. That they're there and they sound good. But there's nothing in there that leads you to God, leads you to godliness, that has any kind of godly wisdom, that they, they sound good, but it's against what the Bible says. Now, an example of this is found in 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25, and we have the story of Nabal. Notice that word Nabal. That is the word, Hebrew word, for this type of fool. Nabal is this fool. He even has his name, which means fool, the wicked, stupid fool. Now, Nabal, if I could tell you this story, David was running from Saul and he had his mighty men. And as David had his mighty men, they kind of parked for a while and they were helping um, these group of shepherds who were watching Nabal's flock chase away bandits. So when bandits came, uh, what would happen is that David's men would chase off the bandits and protect Nabal's flock. Well, after doing this for a while and David was on the run and remember they didn't have Walmarts or corner stores or grocery stores. So they had to get food and restock supplies somewhere. So David thought it would be reasonable to go to Nabal and say, hey, you know, we've been watching your flocks. We've been chasing off bandits. And we were wondering if you had a little bit of supplies that you could throw our way. And, you know, after all, we've been helping you, you know. Well, Nabal decided as David tried to reason with him, Nabal got ugly with David and said, listen here, if I'm going to help every person who tries to break away from his master, I'll have to help everyone. You know, and I don't want to, you know, if I have to do it for you, I have to do it for everyone else. Who are you anyway? You're nobody. Can you imagine going to David and telling him he's a nobody? Who are you? And so Nabal was rude. He was mad. Now David, in turn, became bitter with Nabal. You know, this type of fool doesn't just affect himself, but it affects other people. David got bitter. Here he'd been working and, and protecting this guy's assets. Without David, the bandits would have come and taken his flock and he would have lost all this money. And all he did was ask. And, you know, it's one thing to say no and say, I can't do it right now. But it's another thing just to go to town and yelling and saying, who are you? And he was absolutely rude and... And just wrong. Well, David was wrong in his response and he grew bitter. But David was David and he had the manpower. He was going to kill Nabal and everyone there. That's a lot of bitterness, isn't it? He was mad. He was upset. You see, these types of fools can affect other people, not only by getting them to sin by following them, but he can get other Christians to sin by overreacting and getting bitterness and hatred and affecting their own walk with God. You see what these fools do? They affect everyone in so many different ways. And here's David, who's 
the sweetest psalmist. He's depending on God. But Nabal really it just slapped him on the face, insulted him, turned him to the ground, and Nabal... Woo, David was ready to go. If it wasn't for godly Abigail who went out and got supplies and said, please, please, uh, forgive my husband. He's an idiot, you know. By the way, God killed Nabal because of that. David didn't have to raise his hand. God said, I'll take you out. You don't touch David. And he took care of that. But that's a story showing an illustration of that type of fool. Now, trying to counsel with this fool is almost impossible because they have pride and they have an answer for everything. You could try to talk with them till you're blue in the face. You're not going to convince them. It's ineffective. So what must happen is that God must deal with this type of fool. This is one of those fools you have to commit to the Lord and ask God to help them out. You are not going to convince them of their foolish ways. You are not going to convince them that they're not following God. You're not going to convince them that what they're doing is wrong and evil. They think that they're right. They honestly believe it. And they, they know it's against the Bible, but they don't care. This is right. I don't care what the Bible says. So let's describe some of these characteristics. This is a man or a person who has a seared conscience. The Bible speaks about this in First. Um, Timothy. This is a man who has a seared conscience. That word seared comes from a medical term that has an idea of taking a hot um, iron or something and cauterizing a wound. So let's say that someone is bleeding and you can't repair the vein. What they would do or the artery, they would take a hot red hot poker and they would sear that artery. Now once that artery is seared, it doesn't bleed no more, but it can never be repaired either. This is a person who has a seared conscience. What does this mean? That they've been saying, God, leave me alone. 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 Until finally God says, I'm not going to bother you no more then. Fine. And their conscience is seared and their conscience doesn't bother them anymore. That's a hard place to be when their conscience doesn't bother them anymore. They believe it's right to do wrong. They believe the Bible's an old-fashioned book and that we need to follow this own different way. They believe it's right to do wrong. They are also very skilled in argumentation. They can argue and they can convince even the people who's on the right side <laughs> that their way is right. They are very skilled. They can tell you all about the facts and figures. Now, they're not correct, but boy, they could really come up with arguments. And then this type of fool seeks followers for self-gain. They are not just satisfied with them in sin. They want everyone else to accept their sin and everyone else to be tolerant and to accept it. However, they're not very tolerant of what's right, of Bible believers, of people following God. Now, once again, it can happen within an own church, and we're going to talk about that in a second. So how do we treat this type of fool? What do we do? Well, this is where we get a little bit harsher. They need to be in solitary confinement. We need to remove them. They need to be set away. By the way, inside of a church, this is called church discipline. Church discipline is where you remove someone from fellowship of the church completely. So that way they are drawn back to the Lord. We'll talk about this in a second. But they need to be placed in solitary confinement. You need to get them to a place where they cannot influence and affect other people because they will. As long as they can get someone they can listen to, uh, listen to them, they will try to convince them. We need to expose them to the laws of God in nature. There are natural laws and there's God's laws and these laws cannot fail. They need to be shown there is a right way. Now again, this is a type of fool that's not going to listen, but this is what they need. For us, we need to refuse to argue with them. Debating does not work. You can think you're the greatest orator God has given to this planet. You're not going to convince them. You could say, I got an argument that will convince every so-and-so. It's not going to work. Instead, you expose their folly. Now, what does this mean? The Bible says, 
to answer, uh, don't answer a fool according to his folly. In the next verse it says, to answer a fool according to his folly. What does this mean? That means we don't argue and we don't debate. But what we do is we expose to others, this is wrong. Watch this person. And then when he falls, not as a, as a thing where we're going, ha, 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 ha. But we're saying, you see what happens when you take this step? Look at the consequences. And we warn everyone about what's going to happen, which is the last part here. We warn others of his errors. You say, that guy may look like he's happy, looks like he's prosperous. But look at the spiritual thing. Look at how miserable he is. Look at the things that he has to do to cover up his misery to, to all that other stuff. So we need to warn others so they don't follow the path. We have to show them. If nothing else, these are the type of fools we use as examples not to go that away. But we have to expose the folly. This is wrong and see where it leads. We have to teach people discernment. So let's apply this if you don't mind. These fools are closely related to another descriptive term used in the Bible. And this term is wolves. We're going to warn you about wolves now. And we have to be, have an understanding about this. What about wolves in the Bible? Well, in the, wolf, in the Bible, there are three major descriptions of wolves in the Bible. Meaning that the Bible says it's this type of wolf and this type of wolves. And each of them are meant to be warnings to the people. It talks about ravenous wolves. It talks about evening wolves. And it talks about grievous wolves. Now, I don't know how close to nature you are. But wolves are not painted as a very friendly, cuddly pic, uh, animal. You know why? Because they're wild. And they like blood. And they're very carnal. And so when the Bible paints a picture of a, uh, saying someone is a wolf, it's not trying to show the majesty of a wolf or trying to show the gracefulness of a wolf. It's trying to show the carnal, destructive nature of a wolf. And even with these terms, they are not cute, cuddly wolves. They are ravenous wolves. Evening wolves have the idea of wolves that sneak around in the middle of the night and kind of spring up on you. When it talks about grievous wolves, the word grievous has the idea of burdensome. These are wolves that cause trouble and put a burden on those around them. So let's describe a little bit about wolves. In fact, let me not describe it. Let's see what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Acts in chapter number 20. The book of Acts in chapter number 20. What is occurring is that Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem for the last time. He's on his third missionary journey and he's on his way home. As he's traveling back, he stops by at a little stopping place. And he asks for the preachers and the preacher boys and those in leadership of the church, churches of Ephesus to come and visit him. Now, Paul loved the church of Ephesus. He stayed there three years. Two of those years, he had a Bible institute. And from that little place in Ephesus, all of the Asia Minor, or all of the country we now know as Turkey, heard the gospel because of Paul running this Bible institute in the city of Ephesus. He loved that city. He loved these people. So when he stopped by, he said, please come. I want you to come. I want to give you a warning. I want to this is the last time I'm going to see you. I want to tell you something important. So what he does is he takes the, the, the elders and the preachers of, of the churches of Ephesus and he brings them here and we're going to catch this in mid-message. He says, Wherefore I take unto you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul is saying here, Hey, I'm taking the time to tell you I'm pure from the blood of all men. I've been telling people about the gospel. I've done what I'm supposed to do. And he says, I haven't failed. I taught you the whole counsel of God. I just didn't tell you my favorite parts or the fluffy parts. I told you all the Bible. And he said, I wanted you to know all of it. He goes on and says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock. That's the church, the people in the church. Over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. He's saying, all right, preachers, you got an important job to take care of the flock. Now notice the terms he uses. The word flock carries the idea of like sheep. He says, you got a job to protect the sheep, to, to feed them, to make sure that they're taken care of. And he says, now that we're talking to you pastors, your job to take care of the flock? He says, I got a warning for you. He says, for I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves 
shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. You know what Paul said? He says, as soon as I leave, what's going to come up behind me is grievous wolves. And they're not going to spare the flock. They're not going to go, oh, look at this church, how much I love them. You know what the wolves are going to do if they get into a pack of sheep? They're going to destroy as much as they can. He says, I'm warning you, it's going to happen. They're coming in. He says, also of your own selves shall men arise. Notice this. He said, of your own selves. There are going to be people inside of your church that are going to rise up speaking perverse things. Isn't that what we said a fool does? He speaks perverse things. To draw away disciples after them. He says, these grievous wolves are going to be preaching things that are not that are against the Bible and they're going to do it to the purpose of drawing people to themselves saying follow me I am right I know what I'm doing he says therefore watch and remember the word watch means to fast from sleep so he says pay attention be alert therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn Everyone night and day with tears. Now usually we use this verse and we plug it in that Paul said that I've, I've told everyone I don't have bloody hands. I've told everyone the counsel of God. But in the direct context, he's talking about wolves. He says, for three years I warned you about wolves. Three years I warned you about fools. Three years I warned you that there are people that are going to come and try to destroy your church the church that you're a part of, and they're not going to spare the flock. They're going to be people that come in, creeping in unaware, that are going to come in and try to destroy everything. And he says, I'm warning you. So may I give you some warning about wolves? I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I'm going to give a little bit of warning for our sake that we could watch out for wolves. Wolves are dangerous and are to be avoided. Meaning that if you see a wolf, avoid them. <laughs> You don't go, here, wolfy, wolfy, smell my hand. Oh, good. Stay away from them. They're dangerous. Remember, that's what we said about fools, to put them in solitary confinement. Why? Because if they get close, they're going to try to fool you and deceive you and talk to you and reason with you and pull you to their ways. You can't debate them. You can't reason with them. If wolves are to be avoided, they are to be marked. Hey, if you're going to avoid a wolf, you have to mark a wolf and say, that is a wolf. Beware. Watch out for that wolf. You know, if a wolf is marked and, you know, you, he looks like a wolf, then people stay away. You know what? You remember the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where you had Wile E. Coyote who would get a little sheepskin and he would sneak in and tiptoe around? That's what wolves do. They like to sneak into the flock. They want to look like a good Christian. In fact, a lot of wolves will dress better and look better and they'll do the purpose to say, look, follow me. Look how I look. But we have to mark them and say, that's a wolf. And then when we expose a wolf, what happens? The rest of the flock can be careful and stay away and be a little bit more immune. Say, okay, well, he's a wolf. I don't have to listen to him. He's not the greatest Bible teacher after all. Listen to him. Notice what the Bible says about all this. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 in verse 17, the Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. There's the two terms that I told you about who avoid them and to mark them. If they're teaching something different than the pastor, mark them and avoid them. You say, but they sound really good. Well, then I'm sorry, I love you. But if you don't believe what this church believes, perhaps you need to find a church that believes closer to you. That not This church isn't for everyone. We recognize that. But as, if you're going to be a part of this church, you're allowed to believe differently. You just don't have a platform to teach your beliefs. We're glad to have you. We're glad to do that. You just can't teach opposite of what that's why we're very open if you want a doctoral statement we'll be glad to give it to you. you want a church constitution we'll be glad to have it we want people to know where we stand and why we stand there and if people don't agree with it that's fine they're allowed to come we'll shake their hand we'll love them but if they start teaching differently that 
is something we can't stand. Why? Because it's going to cause divisions. It's going to cause problems. We have taken our time to clearly say this is what we believe and why. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not teachable and whatever else, but we have established firm doctrine from the Bible. And if someone believes differently and wants to try to cause problems, we're going to mark them and then we're going to say, avoid them. You know, so that way they don't bother us. They can scream all they want. They just, we're just going to go, okay, smile, nod, not debate them, not whatever else. Let pastor deal with them. That's the pastor's job to take care of the flock. Good. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3.14. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, mark that man, and have no company with him, that means avoid him, that he may be ashamed. You know, if we mark a wolf and people stop hanging out with him and the guy really wants fellowship, he's going to say, you know what? (laughs) Maybe there's something to this after all. How come, you know, no one wants to hear me talk about my favorite doctrine no more? (laughs) Maybe there's something to it. And we have to stay away. We have to do this. This is for the protection of the flock because Satan wants to destroy it. He cannot destroy it from the outside. He destroys it from the inside. And so we have to mark those and know that they're going to come. I wish we could have, a. now I think we're good, doing good right now, but we need to be aware that there are going to people that are going to try to come and they're going to try to say, well, pastor's stupid and pastor doesn't, you know, I know something the pastor doesn't know. Let me tell you about this great doctrine here. You know, and I'm not saying that they're not, I'm just saying we got to mark them, avoid them, be careful. We're trying to protect our church and we're trying to teach you now how to handle them. So that's a good question. How do we handle them? Well, first of all, most of the people might not even realize that they're wolves. That's a scary thing. Some people don't even realize that they're wolves and most of the rest of the church don't even realize that they're wolves. So it's kind of hard. This is what a pastor is for, by the way, to love on people, to teach people how to deal with wolves, how to identify wolves, blow the whistle on the wolves so that way they can notice them themselves and so that way there's not so many people that get hurt by it, that most people don't realize that they're wolves and a lot of the church people don't even realize that those people who are wolves are wolves. Now, wolves have carnal appetites. They like the world. You know what a wolf likes? It likes dead meat. It likes to eat meat. You're not going to give a salad to a wolf. They want meat. Blood red meat. They are carnal in their appetites. You know, God uses the description of a wolf on purpose because it describes a human spiritual wolf. They are carnal in their appetites. And so you know what they want? Not to attract wolves. We need to leave the fleshy stuff out of the church. The fleshy stuff will attract wolves. If you're living out in the woods out here in Wisconsin and you keep dumping all your table scraps outside, you know what you're going to get? Bears, raccoons, wolves, all kinds of things because they have a carnal appetite. Hey, if you leave the flesh into a church, you're going to attract that. You know, as long as we stick with the Bible and the old-fashioned hymns, we'll keep some of the wolves out because they can't stand the good stuff, the real good stuff. They can't stand it. They won't like it. (coughs) Good. Sorry. Good. Now, another thing about wolves is that wolves don't like to stand in line to go soul win. They don't want to work a bus route, but they want to be in charge of something. They want to be in a position. This is one of those things. Those wolves don't want to work. They're not going to lead someone to the Lord. They're not going to take time to go door knocking. Now, they'll be glad to go on a visit with a church member and go visit and try to talk to them about their favorite doctrine, but they're not going to go out and try to reach people for the Lord. By the way, because of this, this is something that I've established and you guys understand that no one can do something in this church without being a soul winner. Why? It's to protect the church. We want people who have the same heart as Jesus and Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the one thing that God has given us to do. And from the soul winners, we pull 
the Sunday school teachers, the bus workers, everything else from that. That is protection of it. That wolves don't like spiritual food and going soul winning is spiritual work. And it is work. And so this is for protection. Another thing about wolves is that she wants to know everything that's going on. And she wants to be in a position where she can call everyone. She wants to be the center of everything. Now, I said she for a specific reason. One of the things about the people who study wolves out in nature, this is for free, I didn't have it in part of the notes, but it's kind of cool about wolves, is that you have the, the pack leader, the alpha male. And for a while, they thought that the pack male after actually led everything. But as the naturalists studied wolves, they noticed that as the pack leader would go, he would from time to time look over his shoulder. And the reason why he's looking over his shoulder is because he's looking for the female. And if the female is standing over here, he turns the pack and goes this way. If the female is standing way over here, then he turns this way. If she's standing right behind him, he goes forward. And that old female was leading the whole thing from the background the whole time. We have to be careful because it's not only men, but some ladies can be wolves. And we have to be careful. We have to watch out. But they want to be in a position where they know what's going on. And uh, they want to be in a position where they know what's going on and they can call everyone. I want to teach you a little tip. That people will throw garbage in any open container. So as long as you're open to receive gossip, to receive criticism about pastor, they will toss it in. You want to identify a wolf? These are the type of people that come up and say, Pastor, I've got something disturbing to tell you. The people have been coming to me and they've been talking. You know what I ask them? <laughs> Who are they? Well, I don't want to tell people. I don't want to break confidence. Then you got a wolf. You know, as a pastor of a church, it's the pastor's job to know the spiritual things that's going on, to love on them, to know where it's at. And that's not a breaking of confidence. There's a difference between gossiping and telling those in authority. What is gossip? It's telling someone, uh, talking about someone to someone who can't do anything about it. So if you do it horizontally, your neighbor, your best friend, can't do anything about this problem over here. But pastor is in a position of authority. He needs to know. You're not gossiping when you tell pastor, hey, so-and-so, I, I think they're struggling with some finances. I'm praying for them, you know. That's not gossiping. That's letting the pastor know that maybe he needs to go check in on that widow woman and make sure that he's, she's doing all right. That's something the pastor needs to know. But horizontally, you don't need to go tell all the church about the widow woman's finances. That, that's none of no one's business. All right, I know that wasn't good English either. It made people cringe, but that's fine. Um, but you guys understand what we're saying. When you're telling authority, that's proper. When you're going sideways, that's not proper. But wolves, they like to know everyone's business. Wolves like to lay up on a perch and look down at all everything else. They, they're the type of people inside of a, especially a bigger church. They don't go out to everyone else. They let everyone come to them. They, they like to lay out and survey and, and know everything that's going on. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful because what they're trying to do is they're trying to bide their time where they could take leadership. You see, either the pastor is going to pastor the church or someone who's not supposed to is going to pastor the church. And you have to be careful. God has put the pastor there for a reason. And I understand not all pastors uh, are the same and some need teaching and I still need teaching and we're always growing. You know, one thing I want you to hopefully see about me is that I don't know everything, but that I'm growing. And as long as I'm growing in the Lord, you have confidence in my walk with the Lord. When I stop growing as a pastor, I'm dangerous. That's true of any one of you. When you stop growing, you're dangerous. You need to always get closer and closer and closer with the Lord. Now, wolves, they want to be seen before people. They don't go, like going soul winning, but they like to be on the platform. They don't like to go soul winning, but they like everyone to call them director, to, to be the person, the person who's in charge of this. I'm in charge of the shredding machine. <laughs> we used to, in the military, we had a time where we had so many NCOs, non-commissioned officers, that we actually had an NCO in charge of the shredder, you know. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. They had, a, had to do something. So. But they like to be in charge. They like to be in a position. Now the best defense for wolves 
is this, a good wolf dog. You know, you remember those uh, cartoons I was telling you about Wiley Coyote? They had Sam the sheepdog. You know, he had the big long hair that needed a haircut and he would lift it up. And he always knew what the coyote was doing. Every church needs sheepdogs who could smell out and, and to chase out a wolf, to, to be able to identify it, to know what a wolf is and to be able to mark it, to help guard the flock. They have the shepherd who's in charge of it, but he got some good sheepdogs who are smelling out and identifying and saying, there's a wolf to be able to identify it, to keep the people safe, to protect the pastor. You say, what does this mean? Well, let me tell you something. If someone comes up to you and says, you know, that pastor, I just don't know about that. I, I don't like the way he's been handling it. You, know, you want to know what your proper response is? You know what? I can see you have a legitimate concern. Let's go to pastor now. Pastor, so-and-so's got a question for you. You know, after a couple times of that, they won't come to you anymore. That's how to deal with them. You know, if they come over to your house, well, you know, I just don't like the way that pastor been standing there and he can't sing at all. And, you know, I just, I just think that we would just be better off with... You say, you know what? I can understand what you're saying there. Well, let's call the pastor right now and let you talk to him. You see, that's bringing it to right authority. Let the pastor deal with it. Bring it to him. Hey, if someone starts gossiping to you about someone else, say, I'm sorry... I love so-and-so, and if that's their problem, uh, bring it to pastor, or I, I don't want to hear that. Sometimes that takes some strength to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk about so-and-so in this house. I'm sorry, you know, I, I could see that you're really passionate about this, but I can't have this. Now, I understand that means your lines of gossip are going to draw close, and that's good for you too. You know, gossip is one of the the undealt with sins of the church. It's one of the acceptable sins of the church. But gossip, you know, in the book of Leviticus, calls it murder. <laughs> That's a whole different lesson. I'll get to that when I get to the Ten Commandments. But we need to stay away from that. But everyone needs a good sheepdog. One of my jobs as an assistant to the pastor in Phoenix is, by the way, I'm not a small guy. I think most of you can realize that I'm not a small guy. But we had three other guys who were bigger than me. But one of our jobs was is we had someone who was really belligerent and really just hating on pastor. Our job was to escort the guy out. And if need be, if he just still kept on, then all four of us would go have what is called wall-to-wall counseling where all the other big guys would surround him and I would say, I'm sorry, we don't talk about our pastor that way. You know, again, I'm not a small guy, but can you imagine three other guys bigger than me surrounding a guy and say, we're not going to talk about our pastor that way. We love our pastor. And we don't tolerate that. If you have a problem, you can go talk with him, but you're not going to talk that away about my pastor. I heard of a preacher. He had a brand new saved guy. He was a, he was a guy who started to love his pastor and the pastor went and took him a couple visits and he was visiting a disgruntled um, guy in the church and, and the pastor was listening patiently and the guy was starting to get more and more belligerent, the person they were visiting, talking about the pastor and he was talk, you know, talking to the pastor and was rude and whatever else. And he said before he knew it, that guy he brought with him leaped out of his chair, knocked the guy who was talking about the pastor to the floor and was just pounding him there. And he had to pull him off and he's like, wow. And someone says, what, you condone that? I don't condone that, but I can't control everything that my people do. Yeah. <laughs> You need good sheepdogs from time to time. People are going to care for their pastor. Now, why do I say this? Hey, Paul warned his churches uh, that he was steward over for three years, night and day. Be careful of wolves. Be careful of wolves. Be careful of wolves. You know, we have a great church and we have a great spirit. And we have a desire to move forward. And the greatest days of this church are still ahead. But one thing we're going to have to watch out for is for wolves that want to try to creep in. And if you know how to deal with a wolf, if you know how to deal with someone trying to criticize, again, I'm not a perfect pastor, but there's a proper way of dealing with it. You meet me in my office and I'm doing something wrong. I'll be glad to listen. But we're not going to criticize the pastor. That's not the proper way of doing things. We're not going to tear down the pastor and have pastor stew. That's a way to destroy the church. But you need to know how to deal with it. You need to know how to protect it for this church's sake. If you love this church you're going to help look out for wolves. 
and watch out so this church can continue to be strong and grow and be the church that God designs us to be. But we have to watch out for the fools because these fools try to make it into a church and draw people to themselves and turn people away from the clear teaching of the word of God. And for us, we need to watch out. We need to protect ourselves. So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, you need to know where people are around you. There are some people you're not going to convince and you need to be careful about wasting your time. You could come up with arguments and spend weeks and weeks and weeks meeting them day after day and you're not going to get anything accomplished. You could use that time wisely somewhere else. What else can you do with this message? Don't accept gossip. Don't accept gossip. If you have something against pastor, if I've done something wrong, if I've offended you, come see me. I'll be glad to listen. I put Skittles and M&Ms in my office so that way the office isn't a scary place at all. Everyone comes in there and gets M&Ms and Skittles. I want it to be a friendly place. I want people to be able to come and talk to me anytime. But watch out for wolves. Protect your pastor. Protect the church members. Protect the church. And realize that if a wolf comes in, we're going to mark them. We're going to identify them. We're going to try to love them and help on them, but we're not going to allow them to destroy this place. We have to be careful and love on people where they're at. Again, this is a lot of information, but we still want to use it wisely and apply it properly. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.